We should, uh, that's a great song. And anybody wants to come to choir, come. We have a lot of fun. A lot of fun, I'm telling you. And uh, it's just really good uh, to use um, Jackie the way we do. She's such talent, such talent. The Holy Spirit does great things, doesn't it? Okay, folks at home and people here, turn in your Bibles, if you have them with you, to John chapter 5, verse uh, 1 through 9. It goes like this. Um, Jesus was doing some things, and then he... he returned to Jerusalem for uh, one of the Jewish holy days. Don't know what day that was, but it was big enough that it would draw Jesus to come back. So he was going back to Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda uh, with five covered porches. Uh, what those were, the protection. Uh, they had one side was a wall that then would keep the rain and everything out, the wind and all the sand. But five of those porches were around the pool of Bethesda. Uh, Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, nor paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Wow. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? That's that's not a trick question, you know. Would you like to get better? I can't, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up, when the water is stirred by an angel. Someone else always gets in there ahead of me. Jesus told him this. Well, that doesn't matter. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat. You know what it was? It was one of the map matters. That's what he rolled up. You know, I thought about that. Rolled up his mat's matters, and he began walking. And the trouble of it was, this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Shame on him. Hmm. This is the word of God for all people. Praise God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word today. Challenge us with it. Touch our hearts with it. Um, Help us to hear it and put it in our heart and then respond to it. May our our, uh, listening ears be awake right now and our heart. And may your servant's words be nothing more than yours today. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I just want to look at three things in this text today that I think is um, powerful for us to hear and things that we should hear and maybe focus in on. If you listen to this story real close and then read chapter, the rest of the chapter, you'll hear some traumatic things going on there. But in this scripture, as I was reading it and getting ready to come and share with you this whole thought, my, my thought process was, was this. I'm going to ask him three questions in this text. Why was Jesus at the pool? Now, you, you should ask questions like that. Why, what was he doing there? He should have been in the temple. Amen? It's a big holy day. Some people think it's um, Passover weekend. And it, whatever it was, whatever holy day that it was, it drew Jesus away from all of his ministry to go back to Jerusalem, where he had very little ministry. To go back to Jerusalem, and instead of going to the temple like we found him when he was a little kid, he's at the pool of Bethesda. Where there are what? Hurting people. I don't imagine there was too many hurting people in the temple. 
They had it all together. They were following all the laws. I've said this for the past 40 years of being in ministry. And I'm going to say it to you this morning. I want you to know if you hear about Jesus showing up in LaGrange, Ohio, don't look for him here. Don't look for him at the Baptist church. Well, he could be there. I'm not sure. Quit that. But I imagine he's somewhere in town where there's somebody hurting. Amen? That's, I think that, that is um, uh, the thing that we need to grab a hold of. Uh, I said it to a church one time, and people got, some people really got upset with me with that. And I said, well, I said, you can get upset all you want. But the real, reality is, is Jesus is going to go where he's needed, not where he's not wanted. Amen? And then that question was overridden by, by the, um, Jesus asking this man, um, 38 years being sick. We don't know how old he was, but he was sick for 38 years. And being brought to that um, portico there, he probably had his own place where all of his stuff was set up from the day before. And he had his own little nook that he was sitting in. And um, people would bring him there. People would bring him there, and he'd be ready for the water to stir, the angel to come and do what it was supposed to do, and then he would gain that healing because he'd get in the pool. But, but he couldn't do it. And, and Jesus said to him, do you want to get well? It's a simple yes or no question, isn't it? Yeah, I want to get well. No, I like being carried down here every day. You know, I, I like being not responsible for anything. I sort of like people bring me food, do everything for me. I don't want to get better. Trust me, there's that people um, that are sick that rely on that. But the more important thing that I think that struck my heart here is, here's the second question. You know, why was Jesus at the pool? Here's the second one. Why the loneliness? You get that? Why the loneliness? The guy says, there's no one here. Now, somebody had to bring him, right? He couldn't walk. Somebody had to bring him to the pool. Someone had to take him home at night. Someone had to maybe stop in and see how he's doing. But he says, and as I read that, I immediately go to the four guys who carried their friend up on the roof. You know what I mean? And... uh, dug the roof out and let him down into it. How in the world does it happen that we have no one to help us? I don't know about you, but if I'd have been carrying that guy down there for 38 years, I wouldn't have left him. I'd have been right there beside him. And as soon as that thing stirred, I would have pulled that mat up and shoved his butt in that pool. Tired of carrying that boy around, you know? But there was that loneliness, and, and I'm, I'm afraid that in our world today, it's not any different. We're around the crowd of people. There was a lot of people there. A lot of sick people that could have helped him to get in. But in the midst of it, here we are sitting today lonely in our, in our walk and in who we are. And there's people all around us, but yet we have the loneliness. Um, right now it's hitting the nurses. I don't know if you're aware of everything that's going on with the nurses. But they're, they're a lonely group right now, separated. And a lot of suicides going on, a lot of depression, a lot of things happening because of the COVID and everything else. Shouldn't have, we should never feel lonely. I, I shared uh, at the 10 o'clock one day this week that 
one of the greatest blessings that we can have is to know that we're on somebody's prayer list. Did you know that? The greatest blessing you can have because you know at that point someone's praying for you. And the greatest thing other than that is that we are someone's prayer list. Did you get that? You want to quit being lonely? Start praying for your friends. Start praying for people who you know are hurting and struggling. And your loneliness, I hope, will go away. And then the third question that I had is why and how does this story affect us today? And I think, I think it's a story about um, will, our will. Jesus looks at us, all, I think, daily and says, hey, do you want to get better? Do you want to get better? And our will will say yes or no. Or, yeah, I'd like to, but, you know, I did this yesterday or I did that. Or, I, you know, I tried, but I couldn't. Our answer, I think, is an issue of will. And then a matter of faith, of hearing God saying to us, do you want to get better? Because I think we're all in need of, of physical health and mental health and spiritual health and definitely um, relational help. Um, we are all struggling in that area, aren't we? And then there's that issue of, of faith that we need to have. Rise up. Rise up and roll up your mat and go about life. There's so much more in this text that we, we could spend a whole lot of time um, uh, couple months of Sundays just in this text alone. One, one of the issues that I thought to myself is, why didn't Jesus heal some other people there? We only hear of him healing this man of 38 years. There was people there blind and couldn't, other people, you know. Um, but we don't need to, I guess we don't need to know that because we're not told. But I thought about this, and in my life and in what God's word says to us, there's healing that can happen for us. That's why this text is important to us. There's healing that can happen to us in our relationships because, my friends, you and I both know that um, we meet the criteria of this boy. We're, we're um, maybe sicker than even 38 years long, and, um, and we're lonely in the midst of all that. And it takes some will and some faith on our part as um, we seek to have, find that healing. And I want to just give you the, uh, some healing ways that God does it in our life. Just real quick here this morning. I've learned this, I think, just because of being alert and watching. And I think there's five ways that, that God heals us in our walk with him. And the first way is the instant it's an instant cure. It's an instant cure. This man didn't have to get up and go to therapy. He got up, rolled up his um, mat, and took off. I remember 50, 51 years ago, I was saying a prayer, and, and uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but uh, you know, I knew the doctors had told me that I only have six months to live. All, all these, in different places, different, different states, different mental institutions, different hospitals, they said, your body's done. 
My kidneys and, uh, fa- were failing, weren't working, and when Phyllis looked at me, I was just ashen gray when she saw me the first time. And I was dying. Didn't realize it for six months, and then I thought, oh, I guess I'm not dying anymore. All because of that instant healing that God gave me the day I said, I, I trust you, I believe in you. And then there's the second one is God's uh, undertaking, where God, God connects us with the right doctors and the right people, the right nurses, the right way to go um, um, uh, in, the, in this realm that we live in today. Um, like Donna's, Donna's um, brother, um, Jerry, you know, he has to have the same thing done that she had done, has to have that uh, valve replaced. And, um, and God's got all that arranged. I think that's a God's undertaking where he steps in and says, this is where you need to go. And then there's one real close to that, that I think, but I think it's different. Not his setting this all up, but God's guidance, the third one. God guides us to a remedy. To a remedy probably that nobody else would think about it. And, and I saw this in my friend Charlotte Baker. You guys would have loved Charlotte Baker. She was the strangest person in the world that I knew. And she put up with me and, and we just had four years of tremendous ministry together. And uh, Charlotte Baker was um, a lady that um, used a crutch to get around on. And, and when she graduated from high school, she was in a wheelchair. And, and uh, her prediction for life was she was going to be bedfast and, and not last too long as a, an adult person. But God set it up. God set it up in Kilbuck, Ohio. There's this um, naturalist doctor, and he called her up. He called her up and said, hey, I think I can get you out of that wheelchair. And the first time I saw her, after her first summer with him, she was out of the wheelchair walking with a cane. And what he did was he put her on a diet for 30 days. She didn't eat anything, nothing. Everything that she consumed came through a needle. And he put all these um, herbs and stuff in her body. And literally what he said I'm doing is I'm just cleansing your blood. Your blood is killing you. And she's still, every month of July, she goes and lays in a hospital room and has these um, nutrients put in her and it keeps her walking for the next 11 months. Can you imagine? God set that up. I believe it without, without a doubt. He got the, got the remedy put in place and got her there. And then there's a fourth one called the sufficiency. The sufficiency of grace. And that comes with all of us, I think. And it comes from Paul. Paul said, you know, I got this stupid thorn in my flesh. Remember that? I've got this thorn in my flesh, but it's okay. God's grace is sufficient. No matter what I have to go through, he's going to get me through it. I think we all have those thorns in the flesh, don't we? Amen? This is things that won't go away. It might be emotional, might be physical, might be spiritual, might be mental, whatever it is. God says, that's, that's okay, I'm here with you. We need to grab that. And then I think there's the last one that I want to tr- always try to call um, the ultimate healing. It's called that um, triumphant crossing healing. In other words, when we leave this world... When we leave this world, we'll be given that new body with no more pain, no more hurting. We'll have a new place that we live. You know, we'll breathe in real good air. It'll be celestial air. And we'll be standing in the presence of Christ. 
Now, my friends, as I read that story, I thought to myself and to, to me and to you and to anybody that wants to hear it, there's an epic change that can happen in our lives if we will just listen for God to say to us, for the Holy Spirit to walk up to us in some way, some avenue, somehow, and say, hey, hey, I'm here. Do you want to get better? And then this act of, you know, doctors say our, our attitude, everything about what we're going through either helps us or causes us more pain. If we're, if we're negative about everything, it's not going to turn out well. Jesus looks at us. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and says, hey, you want to get better? And an act of the will is not making up an excuse, but saying, sure, help me. Because my way is not working. And then when we hear that answer, we need, to, we need to see Jesus as a pull of our lives, asking us. You know, that spirit saying, do you want to get better? And then us responding to what he says to us by faith through one of these healings. In 1990, I was physically unable to walk. I did a Christmas Eve service in 1990, um, sitting in a chair. Physically unable to walk because of something that had happened in 1971. In 1971, I had, from 1971 to 1990, I had this thorn in the flesh, and it was because I, I was on a motorcycle, Roger. And you got to watch things, and I was hallucinating that I was in a tunnel. And at the end of that tunnel that was real long, I could see this chain going across the tunnel to keep anybody from coming out. Well, what that chain was was for a parking lot to keep people from going in to park. And it hit me right there. And I suffered for that. Didn't get that healing right away for that. Often wondered why, but God's sufficiency, isn't it? And that night, Christmas Eve, 1990, a lady walked up to me and she says, you need to go see Dr. Bell. See God setting this all up? Dr. Bell in the Cleveland Clinic. She said, you need to go see him. So I went to see him, and uh, uh, I think it was January the 3rd. We went to see him. It was a Monday or Tuesday. We went to see him, got an appointment, went in to see him, and Phyllis Ann's sitting right here. And this doctor's talking to me, and everything that the doctor says, Phyllis Ann answers. Yeah, I didn't say a word. She's saying everything for me, okay? And, and the doctor says, do you want to have surgery on Friday? And she said, yes, he does. Yeah. So the doctor looked at her and he says, that's good that you think he does, but I need to hear him say it. So I said, well, I'm with her, whatever she says. <laughs> so I had surgery uh, and he said, once you, once you get out of surgery, have you ever heard a doctor say this to you? I've heard it several times. Once you get out of surgery, you, you will feel nothing but surgery pain. You will not have any pain anymore. And he worked on my three lower vertebrae. And the reason I'm standing today is because of God's will in my life and my trusting in him to set it up. Amen? He'll do that for you. He'll do that for all of us. All we have to do is be obedient and hear him speak to us. It's a matter of the will, friends. It's a matter of faith. Every day. Every day. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thank you for that. And if there's one of us sitting here today that needs a healing, 
Help us not to (laughs) let it pass by, but help your Holy Spirit touch our hearts right now. Take us to the pool, Lord. I'm glad we're not lonely, and I'm glad we know that you're there. Help us to see you and hear you speak to those, us those words of, of uh, love and compassion. Do you want to get better? And help us. Help us then not to make an excuse, but to scream out. Scream out. Dave, scream out. Yes. Yes! There you go. Praise God. That's what we need to scream out. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for that today. And by faith, may we respond to everything you have to say to us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, Dave.